All right, welcome to All Things Bible Study Podcast. This is episode 13. We are your hosts, Solo Kifle and Ari Prado, and visiting guest, Brandon Puller. Today's topic is where to teach a Bible study, Bible study logistics. Yes. Now, we did talk about this briefly in one of our other Bible studies, uh, one of our other episodes, excuse me, but we did not elaborate we did not expand the idea, and uh, I did receive a phone call today um, from a listener who was asking about this particular issue, and I did realize that we didn't talk about it enough, and it is an issue of great importance because it affects everything in our humble opinion. The wear of Bible studies. When you teach a Bible study, you have a few options as to where to teach it. For the sake of simplicity, we're going to say there's three places. Your place, a.k.a. your house. B, a common meeting area, a place you agree on. And C, their place, a.k.a. their house. We argue for B and C and against A. So we say that you should not teach a Bible study at your house, but rather you should at minimum meet the person somewhere or go over their house. Let's dive into that. And, and, and very quickly, let, let's throw out the um, cautionary advice here that we are not big on... Uh, we are big promoters of if you're a girl, you should teach girls Bible studies. If you're a guy, you should teach guys Bible studies. Okay, so that should answer a lot of other questions. But you should, and, and really, it's not just for, uh, you know, uh, moral reasons, but it's also for effective purposes, right? I really do believe... People do relate. Easier. Yeah, yeah. And gender and age and experiences and all that do up the level of effectiveness. So yeah. I, I'm going to be very effective with young men my age and similar backgrounds. Um, so we'll leave that there. But let's dive into where we should meet. So we say at the very minimum, you should meet at a halfway point. Let's talk a little bit about why we believe that. Why is that important? Do you want to touch on that? You want to give some of your... Yes, we both I do. have a similar philosophy about this, and we might even diverge on a point or two. But let's dive into this. I do, and I believe it begins with theology, um, having good having a good theology on evangelism. Somebody once said, two thirds of God is go, um, go, go." I do believe that evangelism inherently is something that we go out to do. Living that sent life. Yeah. Living that, uh, the apostles, the sent out ones. Yeah. Jesus sent them out. He's, and I do believe that if you're going to be truly committed to the lifestyle of evangelism, I think you physically do have to go, go out and get out of your comfort zone. Um, my favorite scripture and passage as far as the theology of evangelism is... Um, Acts chapter number 10, when God tells Peter 
to rise, kill, and eat. He obviously shows him some pork, right? Some unclean animals. Right. And the next thing you know, he has to go to the home of an Italian man. Okay. And you'll have to pardon my simple exegesis, but you're very likely to see a piece of pork in an Italian man's home. Okay. And it's very likely he may offer you some. Right. So I know that's a very, very simple way of looking at it, but um, I do believe that God was preparing Peter to go into the home of another man and to be prepared to have things set before him and to, and to be in an environment that was completely foreign to him. Um, and I know there's other scriptures that we can talk about in, in which the person who is being taught or who is the recipient of the blessing of the teaching of the Word of God or of the ministry um, of God's called was hosting, you know, the, the sent one. The yeah. sent one. Yeah. And so I, even Jesus, not to get too much in, in, into maybe what you have here, our notes may overlap. I'm pretty sure yeah, they yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus tells his disciples as he sends them out, he tells them, go knock, see, go into a house, see if they'll receive you, and whatever they prepare, take it. Yeah, and so let's pause there. You going to their house is actually, okay, so if we're going to exegete this correctly, that particular verse that you just talked about. Yeah. Let's exegete this correctly. Jesus says in that chapter and in that verse, I am not sent to everyone, but, but to the lost sheep of Israel. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says, we are going to reach these lost sheep of Israel. And what's, what comes next is, is amazing. We're getting insight into the mind of Christ. Yes. And he says, this is how I reach the lost people that I am sent to. The way I do this is by sending my ambassadors, my representatives to their house. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That, I think, when Jesus had a group of lost people that he was working with, he said, this is how we do it. We go to them. And you can even go back to early as Genesis. When Adam sins, God comes looking for Adam. And theologians actually call this the proto-evangelium. This is the first form of evangelism. God is the first apostle. Yeah. Adam is the first sinner. This is the first example of evangelism in the Bible. God going and looking for Adam. That is fire. Not just asking, <laughs> not just asking Adam, come here. Right. Come to my house, Adam. No, he just said, where are you so I can get there? It's good. Wow. Okay, mind blown. Okay, so he's not actually, he's not, he, he's not asking Adam to come to him. He's actually trying to get to Adam. Jesus has these lost sheep of Israel. He says, we're going to them. We're not asking them to come to us. We're going to them. We're messengers. Yeah. We're ambassadors. At one point, the scripture even calls the man of God, the pastor, the preacher, the saint, the Malachim, the messenger, the angel. It actually calls yes. us angels at one point. Yeah. And if you know anything about Hebrew, the word for angels, Malachim, which means messenger. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're sending messages. Embedded in, the whole, in all of that is the idea that we go. That we go. That we go. I want to now throw in a side note mm-hmm. to the Bible study teacher 
when you go and you are going to multiple different locations, you are going to begin to grow and expand mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Why? Because you are not in a static position. Every, every house, every Bible study, every location keeps you on your feet. It, it, if you're always having Bible studies at your house, you're going to get into a static position. You're going to get really cozy. You're, you're, you're going to prop your feet up. You're, you're going to have your little routine and you're going to get stuck eventually. It is to your benefit to be exposed to multiple situations that you know that you have to adapt to. That you have to it, adapt. It makes you anti-fragile. Yeah. So like in the world of exercise, adaptation is a big deal. Yeah. It, right? Like you, you work out, you, you rest, and then there's adaptation. Your muscles adjust to what you just did the week before. If there's new stimuli. If there's new stimuli. Yeah. Okay. In the world of Bible studies, there's that there's that parallel reference where if week after week I'm being exposed to new stimulus, yeah, a new location, a new home, a new attendant, a new lesson, and I, I there's no static. So let me let me pause right here and uh, let me pause you and let me interject this. So here are some of the things that I've learned and I, and I'm I'm obviously advocating for going to people's homes, and that. Um, Number one, when you go to someone's home and they're put in the position where they're hosting you, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Number one, you are opening up an opportunity for that person to be blessed by putting them in the position where they have to give. That's good for them. All right. Number two, it'll, as you said, you have to adapt. So you're beginning to learn things. You're beginning to learn how to read homes and situations and lives and assess things a lot better. There's a, if someone comes to your home, they're in your home. You're not going to learn much about them. If you walk into someone's home, you can, you can learn a lot about a person in about 10 seconds of looking around. A lot. And so it allows you... A lot of you, valuable information. A lot of valuable information. Of, a lot of valuable assessments can take place. Yeah, I've walked into homes and, man, sometimes the first thing you'll smell is cigarette smoke. That's something important you need to know. The next, you might see a bookshelf full of occult books. That's, That's something, something you, you need, need to know. know. You know what I mean? The TV may be blaring. The t they may turn the TV off. You, you may find out. You need to know what shows they're watching. Yes. And not for metals, some say. No. no and it's not to be like... Pentecostal police force. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, we're not trying to be Pentecostal. But yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but I like I want to know I want to know the status of the student and of, of the pupil, whatever you want to call them, right? Your my contact. I, I want to know where they're at. We want to know where they're I at. I want to know I, yeah. Like when you go into the doctor's office, the doctor is asking you for a medical history. Like I want to know a spiritual history. They ask the doctor's going to ask you what what happens in your home. What are you digesting? What are you doing? I want to know that stuff. Yeah. You find out who people's friends are, you find you find out if if they have a big There's just so many things you find out. So, I just want to throw in there here's here's some of the excellent things that you learn by going out and that is number 1, it opens up blessing for the individual. Number 2, it allows you to make assessments that, listen, not everybody, not, we're just not walking around with the spirit of discernment that tells us all these things. Thank God for the spirit of discernment. But 
the ability to assess someone's situation is like vital. And when you go into their home, that's like ma- that's a major win for the kingdom. Major win. Yeah. Yeah, Brandon, are all are all your Bible? Where are your Bible studies? Um, actually, via FaceTime, and then oh, okay, like the coffee shop. Yeah. Okay, coffee shop. But you've done them in homes, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have you have you had situations where the the instability of not being in your home has forced you to have to adapt quickly on your feet, rearrange seats, move, you know, like think on your feet is what I would say. Yeah, exactly. It kind of takes you out of your comfort zone. You have to kind of figure things out on the fly. Yeah. 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 And I, and that's, and that's a good FaceTime. Let's talk about that because I've never done it. Well, have you? Yes. In fact, when we started here in Alameda, we had one person that always FaceTimed in. Real talk. But was it a personal Bible study? Yes, it was. It was like the chart, and they always, they always listened. They, yeah. they, I mean, and they were like real diligent. You use technology to your advantage. I mean, if how have your FaceTime Bible studies gone? Really good. It's because uh, well, that, that door was actually closing because of moving, because of work, logistical because of problems, because right? of location. But how? But initially, it was in person. Yeah. In person. Okay, give us some FaceTime tips. If you're going to do a Bible study FaceTime... I've never done one. Give me some pros and cons. Um, uh, no, not pros and cons, but give me uh, what challenges have you seen come up that you didn't expect? Besides uh, just kind of network, you know, failure. Or, <laughs> strong know, internet signal. Yeah, so you need to be somewhere strong. Clean up a little bit, you know, if it's not clean, fresh enough. Look presentable. At least from, from the waist from, up. Yeah, from the way, you don't want to look like you just woke yeah. up and you got out of bed, yeah. you know. Um, and then like tuck tuck your dress shirt into your pajama pants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can have your slippers on. Yeah, you know? yeah. But besides um, besides that, you know, just set it up in a good angle to see the Bible study chart. Um, I've had to bring the Bible study chart closer and point out things. You know, if, if they're not noticing it or so. Essentially, have all your tech set up maybe 20, 30 minutes before you, before you ever even make the the, the FaceTime ring. You know, yeah. yeah. So. Let's go into another reason why we are we contend that this is not just an opinion, but that there's actually some scriptural precedent for this. Some people may feel that we're stretching it. That's fine. Um, I'm going to tell you what led me down this trail initially. Was um, 2 Timothy... 225 through 26. And uh, maybe, Brandon, you could pull that up and, and read that for us. Um, I felt that this particular chapter and verse was very significant. And to give you a little background on it, the Apostle Paul is instructing the man of God, who at this point is Timothy, on uh, the dynamics of working with people. Uh, so let's read verse 25. And then uh, jump into 26. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Okay, so here Paul is talking about people that are lost. They are taken captive at Satan's will. And he instructs Timothy how he can help them. And there's two words I want to focus in is oppose and recover. And Paul says that those who oppose themselves must 
recover themselves. The act of teaching somebody a Bible study, okay, for me has been, is grounded in the idea of self-recovery. So I'm teaching a person a Bible study in hopes that they might recover themselves. I need to give them ample opportunities to do that, Mm -hmm. to invest in their self-recovery. If I host the Bible study at my house, I get the snacks ready, the drinks ready. I have my wife vacuuming, cleaning. All of that investment, all of that is ours. It belongs to me and my wife or me. So you're saying going to them allows them to invest in their recovery. In their self-recovery. That's that's good. good. Yeah, that's good. People do not value, no matter if whether we like it or not, people do not value things that they do not pay for. So here's a question, and that is when you go teach a Bible study and somebody maybe offers you food or whatever, what do you do? I accept it. Let, let me tell you a really interesting story. There's a man. There's two men sitting at a bus stop. It's raining. And one man has an umbrella, the other man does not. The man with the umbrella gives the umbrella to the man who doesn't have one. Because he feels so bad for the guy that it's raining. And the man who receives the umbrella says, thank you so much, sir, I appreciate it. So the man with the, that had the umbrella, who gifted the umbrella, asked the man, what are you doing here? He says, believe it or not, I'm in town for a court case, a very serious court case. And I, I, don't, I don't have a car. I'm, my financial situation right now is not very good. And so I had to catch the bus to court. And I left the house and I didn't know it was going to rain. And here I am. And the man nods, okay. You know, they go their separate ways. The man who gave him the umbrella was the judge. Okay. And when the judge shows up to work, he sees standing in line the guy that he gave the umbrella to. And he realizes I'm going to be the one on this case. And he actually steps down. This is actually a true story, believe it or not. He steps down from his position and asks another judge to come in. And when he was asked why he did it, he said, because I had given the man a gift and it endeared me to him. And it would and it would so good. And it would corrupt my judgment of the case. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's powerful. I believe it was Ben Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, who said, When somebody moves into your neighborhood, the first thing you should do is ask them a favor. You know, we would think, oh, let's welcome the neighbor by like, you know, baking them a pie. Yeah. yeah. He's like, No, you should actually ask them for some flour. Because what that does is it, is it allows them to feel like they're now a part of the community. Yeah, let's be honest. Who loves more, the giver or the receiver? Giver. The giver. I'm a parent. I have children. The, the, I give my children all kinds of stuff. Yeah. For God so loved that he and every, yeah, gave. That he gave. The giver loves more. The giver loves than more. Than the receiver. Right. What's the scripture say? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah. So when I put that person in a position to give, they're heaping blessings on themselves. 
And you are now endeared to them. No, they're endeared to me. Both ways. Yeah. But my point is that I'm, a, I'm making a space for them. Yeah. The, to be blessed. God is going to bless them for giving. Yeah. Man, I'm never going to see umbrellas the same ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, that shook me, dude. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting them in a position to be able to heap the blessings of God on them. Yeah. Okay. Remember, don't ever forget that Cornelius was the first Gentile to ever be saved because he gave. Yeah. It says that he he gave yes, all. Yes, precisely. Because he was and 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 there's even another centurion that Jesus heals his servant. Why? But the Bible says that the Jews came to Jesus and they told him, "Man, he's built our nation synagogues. This guy's been giving to us." Yeah. Jesus says, "Man, he'll heal the guy's servant." Let me just say this. One of the biggest most positive things that you could ever see in a Bible study is someone who actually is giving in some form, way, shape, or fashion. If somebody is showing that they're, that they're willing to give, that's a very good sign in any way. Yes. In any way. And, it's, it, and, and when you are engaged in a Bible study with the person that is willing to meet you minimum halfway, and then... On top of that, have you over their house? If if that that does that's not as easy to do, but sometimes it does happen. Yeah. But who is investing from the word go into their own salvation? That is going to be a good Bible study. Wow. That one is going to produce. Listen, the parable of the sower. The sower's job is to see which ground is producing fruit. Right. So, I have as. A, I have, a, I have an obligation as a steward of the mysteries of God to be conscious of the grounds that are producing. When I find somebody who's willing to meet me halfway, when I find somebody who's willing to have me over their house, when I meet somebody who's willing to, to put go... Put some skin in the game. To put some yeah. skin in the game, I have good ground. That's good ground. I have good ground. Let me say this. Luke, uh, why don't you read Luke 9, 57 through 58, uh, Brother Brandon, if you could. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nets, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. This is a foundational text that lets us know that two things. Number one, there were people who, when they came into contact with Jesus, wanted to go over his house. And he told them, I don't have a house. Yeah. We don't. yeah. No, there's nowhere for you Jesus, to come over. Jesus never hosted a party. Jesus <laughs> never hosted a party. Therefore, our only conclusion can be this, and we know it to be true. This is not, I'm not making an argument from silence. If you wanted interaction with Jesus, you were going to have to have him over your house. Jesus told people he was going to their house. <laughs> Jesus to told house people, I'm coming over. Yeah. Okay. Jesus even chided one guy for not washing his feet. Yeah, which was standard protocol. Which was standard protocol. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should ask your Bible studies in 2019 to wash your feet. Yeah, this, is, this is 2019. But Jesus was wondering where the courtesy was. Yeah. 
Where, where's the giving? And he said, the one who gave me, the one who washed my feet with tears, she, she loves loved. me. Yeah, she left justified. She loves me. Yeah. She loves me. My, my point is this, that even Jesus' own personal plan of evangelism involved him coming to you, not you coming to him. Yeah. Because he had nowhere for you to come to. It's good. So I believe that there's a lot of biblical precedent. And I'm saying this both from what I read and from what I've experienced. That if, I, if we can meet halfway or even at their place, the results are better. Agreed. The results are better. I have been on the other end of this. And maybe you guys can chime in. I have been on the other end of this where I'm putting in all the work. I'm putting in all the effort. I'm going to them. And it just keeps on getting worse and spottier and flakier. And I'll be honest. The ones I put the most into was the ones I got the least out of. And in some cases, nothing. Yeah. One of my favorite... This, this is the truth. I've never, ha- I've never hosted one at my home. Um, and I could. I could. Okay, you grew up in a pastor's home. Did, you, did they host Bible studies in, your pa- in the pastor's home? Yes, but we... Mm, that's, we also did like home church. That's like a different episode. Yeah. But l- let me just... We hosted a lot of stuff. Okay, but let me, let me... Yes, but let me say this. Was there ever a Bible study chart host, Bible study style... At your house? No. It was a different style of... It was a small... There were, there were small services. Got it. But there wasn't like a chart involved. There wasn't like long-term ATB style, all things Bible study style, you know. Got it. Bible study. Okay, I did that. And I have nothing to show for it. Yeah. That's not to say it can't work. Now, there's... there's this is an anecdotal... Uh, you know, observation. Right, right. Like, it's very likely somebody's going to listen to the show, be like, Pastor, I taught, you know, Pastor Prado, I taught a lesson in my Bible, and it's been great. Awesome. But I will tell you this. As a pastor, as a preacher, as a Bible study teacher, the more I give, the 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 stronger the dip yeah. on returns. Yeah, one one of my favorite Bible studies that I'm teaching right now um, I think on the second week, um, our student, you know, my wife and I and some other uh, church folks, a student volunteered to cook. And I think the next week, you know, somebody asked her, oh, you like to cook? She's like, no, I just really felt to cook for the Bible study. And she made us tacos. And I'm not going to say no. You know, <laughs> tacos and Bible yeah. study, we're, we're all good. Yeah. You know, and so, but that simple act has really, really anchored her in the Bible study. She's invested. I don't know how long it takes to cook tacos. I just know it's not 10 minutes. And so she took out, she's a single mother of two, Wow. works two jobs, has no car. I'm going to let her make tacos because you know what? God's going to bless her for it. Yeah. And, it, and God it, is going to bless it her reminds for it. Me, And that sounds... I, I know how people might be hearing this. Yeah, and pe- people may be thinking, well, what, wow. Like, who are you to be who, served, right? But Let's go back to the story of, we talked about this earlier. 
when the prophet goes to the lady's house. Okay, yes. Yeah, let's get in there. This is good. This okay. is like Old Testament, but this is fire. And she doesn't have much. In fact, she's planning on dying. Yeah. And the prophet says, could, could you make some for me? And No, no, he says, make it and then give it to me. Yeah. So he, he, he doesn't even ask to join in in the making process. Yeah, he just, he just lets her know. And you know what? Guess what? We all know the story. She survives. She survives. She lives. And, and she lives and she thrives. And that really is played out in, in Bible studies. We get to see that happen. And I've seen it happen where people who you may, you know, we may be sympathetic in, in, in some regards as to their situation and how, how their, you know, their life needs you know, to be cleaned up and they need God. Go ahead and let them bless you. Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, you're, you're, you know, as a Bible study teacher, you're doing them a service. And when they're allowed to put back into that some way, they're, they're just, there really is just a holy combination right there. And we have to understand, like, on, on, the, on the prophetic calendar, we are living in the time where the Apostle Paul spoke of men will be lovers of themselves. Themselves, yeah. And any exercise that we can get people engaged in where they stop loving themselves for a minute is good. It's good, yeah. It's good. And I, and I, and I want to be very tactful about this because I, I don't want to also sound like we're promoting the idea of like, you should be honored that I'm here. But, but I think there is something to say when God sees a person investing in their own recovery. Yeah. Be it by making tacos. Yeah. Or by logging on to a FaceTime. You know, whatever that investment is, it goes towards their recovery. It goes towards their self-recovery. That's good. It's helping them, it's aiding them. Some people, you know, when you're young, you're not always so it may not be some people's fault that they've never engaged in a relationship where they are the giver. Sometimes just age, you know, sometimes some people had very spoiled lives. Sometimes people had to live a survivor life where like survival was everything. And so you fended for yourself at all costs. And so to introduce people to that kind of a relationship of where they are the giver. Yeah. Man, is a beautiful thing. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. It's a good thing. It's a blessed thing. Yeah. The the analogy of the uh, the widow, and, and and I think that I think this helps. I think personally, was it Elijah? Yeah, Elijah. Mm -hmm. Was it Elijah? I believe the prophet had just as hard of a time eating it as she did giving it. Yeah. And so, as far as the Bible study teacher is concerned, he should have a humility of mind. Absolutely. And, and a humbleness. Right? Because the truth is, like, some people, you know, you got to keep your feet on the ground somehow. So they say that the tabernacle, you know, the tabernacle didn't have a rug. There's no rug for the tabernacle. Dirt it, floors, right? Dirt yeah. floors. So it didn't matter how celestial, how transcendent, how magnificent the event was, that priest's feet had dirt on it. Hmm. He was always, there was always contact with earth. And it's a good thing for you to step into a house 
And no matter how backed up you are by all of heaven, to still feel the dirt beneath your feet. Wow. Okay. Oh. Right? And still and still be in somebody's home and, and realize, man, this lady, this 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 man, this family, with very humble means, just made me a sandwich. So let's or, talk about that. Let's talk about the humility in going to people's homes. What do I mean by that? How do you present yourself? How do you dress? Brandon? You Brandon. Want to, you know? Like, do you, I mean... Now, my man Brandon right now is dipped. <laughs> All right? He's got, he's got some fire socks on. Yes, always. <laughs> some suede loafers. Yeah. No. But, 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 but let's, let's, let's talk about, yeah, how are you going into a home? Um, I used to try and go, like, would it be semi-formal, semi-casual? I don't try and dress down too much, and I don't try and dress up too much. I don't come in a full, you know, Sunday's best. Yeah. Um, just usually, like, slacks and a button-up. Yeah. Have you ever... I know I've had this. There's times I felt like I overdressed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you ever have that where you're like, you know what, let me, let me tone this, let me mute this a little bit. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking of any one particular person. I do remember reading in a very good book that a preacher wrote that, um, that he was teaching a Bible study and he had a Rolex on and God convicted him to take it off. Wow. <laughs> and uh, this, is just, this is real talk. Feet on the ground, dirt, beneath, dirt in between your toes. Yeah. You're going to go somewhere where that Rolex might be worth more than that money has made in two months, exactly. that, than, than that family has made in two months. Yeah. Honestly, Agreed. there's... Real talk. Yeah. So now, uh, so I'm not, I'm let, not let me jump in here. You can't have a Rolex. I'm just saying. I think that there should be like a a a, a presentable. Um, well, number one, I wouldn't a, go to Richmond. A, a reasonable <laughs> no. There should be a reasonable attire. There should be reasonable because at the attire. same time, let's say that you go teach a Bible study where somebody is of better means. Yeah. If you come in there looking too busted, they're not going to want much to do with you either. There really is yeah. moderation. moderation. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Yeah. And I know that that verse actually means something else. But, but, but I will say this. Yeah, the, there should be... You should try to find a good middle ground. You should dress to get yourself out of the way. What I mean by that is your attire should not be a stumbling block to those who are worse off than you or better off than you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah, we should go into every situation with a bit of humility. Yeah. You know, going back to a comment that we kind of delved into originally that I think is good to expand on. When you go into people's homes, um, you're out of the comfort zone. And in some cases, you're out of every zone imaginable. Mm -hmm. um, you're now, you're now, especially where we live on the West Coast, you can land up in in, in any kind of um, person's home, yeah, of different cultures and ethnicities. And um, I've learned a lot about things that I consider to be very valuable information. Uh, I learned a lot of stuff that would help me 
in my preaching, in my ministering, in my pastoring to them. Um, because every, every family, every culture has its own practices about um, marriage, death, family, eating, all these, all these, 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 these things. Mm -hmm. And to think that those things don't play a factor into when that person actually does come through the door and sits down in the church and, and their ability to stay, I think would be naive at best. And, and I think the thing that I appreciate about going into people's homes is that it does teach me adaptability and it also helps me to know where to put certain emphasis like i know what i i know i i i not only do i know the am i familiar with the door to their house i'm familiar with the door to their heart right because every culture has like a different every culture and when i mean culture i don't just mean ethnicities now it could be every family every culture every whatever there's a different door to get to the heart, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a different door. And the saying is true, when people open their homes, they're opening their heart, they really are. Let's talk about this. Let's, let's, let's talk about this, okay? When somebody invites, let's say you do manage to get into somebody's home. We have to be conscious of the fact that this is a huge thing. Yeah, it's a big deal. A lot of a lot of women don't like people in their home, not because they're bad hosts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but a lot of women have reservations about letting people into their home because they feel like they're not good keepers of the home, and they feel like they might be judged. Mm. So, like my wife keeps an impeccable house. Same, my my wife is. Uh... <laughs> you cannot come over my house unless my wife has been able to do a thorough. Two hour deep cleaning. Yeah, if I tell somebody they can come over before I've consulted, the wrath will. Yes. I'll be consumed. Yeah. So when I go into homes, I'm staying very conscious of the fact that, you know what, they're vulnerable. Yeah. Therefore, I make sure that I keep a certain comportment. If I see a less than clean home, uh, I I don't make a big deal if the kids are acting crazy. What, whatever things are not common to me. Don't let anything shock you. As in, don't show it on your face. Yeah. Like, I, you know what? Whatever. The, I, I could probably get a lot of hate mail for this. I don't like animals. <laughs> okay? Like, no, okay, I, well, I, I, I do. I, I do. I like animals, but like looking at them. <laughs> but I'm like highly allergic to dogs, cats... Uh, I recently I found out I'm allergic to hamsters. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you how you found out. <laughs> through a Bible study. Wow. Okay? Yeah. Through a Bible study, I discovered that I'm highly allergic to hamsters. Yeah. I will not go into this information. So. The curse of hamster? <laughs> so I'm like, but you, nobody knows that. This is breaking news right here. Like, nobody knows how I feel about animals. Yeah. Because I will pet, touch, feed, you know. But then I go home and I'm like... Sneezing. Just... Yeah, I'm like down in like antihistamines and washing my hands. Yeah, I believe dogs uh, need to be outside when you have guests over, you know. 
But not everybody does. Not everybody does. Everybody thinks it's adorable that their dog is on you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's... Okay. So, like... Now, now... And there's this... all, All of this has limits, right? You know, like... I have children with severe peanut allergies. If my daughter were to go with me to a Bible study, I'm not going to feed her a bag of peanuts because the guest gave it to her. Right, yeah. right. There's like, there's limits. There's limits yeah. to everything. So if you're allergic. There's real there's real health issues. Yeah, but I, I I if if I'm flexible, I flex. No matter how much I cringe, I flex. Yeah, and I never let them see me cringe. Yeah, and I just man, I you know I maybe this is overly simplistic here. But you know, I think to myself, there's Christians on the other side of the globe suffering for the gospel's sake. Suffering for the gospel's sake. The least I could do is eat some exotic fruit that somebody's offering me. And I'm telling you, I could... There's a lot, there's a lot of ethnicities and cultures in this area. And I'm telling you right now, I have eaten things that I will never eat again. Like, I, re- I really did do it as unto the Lord. I ate it for Jesus, I promise you. <laughs> yeah. No, I've eaten fruits that were like, I've never, I don't know how to pronounce them. Yeah. And I just did it. I did it, I did it for the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, real talk. I mean, I, I yeah. we're trying to advance the kingdom. Yes. Right. And, and in some cultures, it is mandatory to offer food as well as to accept it. So we, so I come from Ethiopian culture, right? There's nothing more insulting not eating. than not eating. In fact, growing up, my mom told me, she's like, all those kids you think are your friends, if they don't invite you over to their home to eat, they're actually not your friends. So, I, you know, I'm American. I'm, I'm Ethiopian American. Yeah. And I've always grown up with... You had cereal for breakfast. Yeah, I had cereal <laughs> for breakfast. And then I had like, shuttle what's for dinner. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I'm Ethiopian American. However... There's, there really is a part of me that has been very impacted by you know, the, the culture that my parents come from and have, have handed down to me. And that is just, I just don't, I have trouble saying no when people offer me food. Um, for that reason, I, I really do feel like I would insult this person. And so that has helped me. I have friends that will not eat anything unless they know what what aisle in the grocery store it came from. And and I will say this, if if you do have like food sensitivities, like cuz this some not, people are just grossed out by anything that not, is home cooked. And let me just say this, I teach, I don't know how many Bible studies a week, none of them involve food. Well, one of them does. Yeah. Um and I've had to turn down the food a few times. <laughs> yeah. Um for health reasons. And that's fine. Yeah. But, so let me give you a pro tip as to how to, if, if you do not feel comfortable with accepting food, if you have all kinds of food issues, if you know that you might literally gag on the spot. Take it to go. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, got, I got Tupperware yeah. in the house that yeah. does not belong to me. Take it to go. <laughs> Take it to go. Take it to go. Also... If, if you keep your Bible study short, <laughs> if you keep your Bible study short... We're not going to ask what happens to that to-go platter. Yeah. <laughs> if you take it... If, 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 if you keep your Bible study short, you avoid a lot of this. Yes. You know, don't... Yeah, don't post up at somebody's house for an hour. <laughs> and, then get, and then get upset when they start offering you, you know... 
cookies or, you know, milk or goat milk or whatever. Yeah, yeah, cookies with a side of, you know, yeah, goat milk. So, like, keep your Bible study short. Now, if, here's another pro tip. Uh, because a lot of Bible studies don't actually involve food, or at least, in my opinion, they should not. Most don't. Most don't. This is the truth. Most don't. Yeah. Um, but the ones that do? Yeah, like, if, if you don't want to eat, then, then let them know, then you really should eat before. And just let them know. You know what? I already ate. Thank you. Yeah. Because a lot of times they will give you a heads up and be like, hey, I'm glad you're coming over. I'm going to prepare some, you know, whatever. Yeah. Now, I've seen, here's, here's the other side. I've seen people that really enjoy eating other people's food. <laughs> Don't be that person. Don't be that guy. I'm coming over for Bible study. Can't you make those tacos? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Real talk, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Real talk, I've seen that. Don't be that guy. Yeah. If your guest makes you something and you know they're a fabulous cook, praise God. But don't ever put that pressure on them. Yeah. I try to relieve people. Honestly, I do. I tell them, if you're going to do something... Make it small. Just cut up some, like, fruit, you know? Yeah. Because, we, man, I've, I've been in Bible studies where, like, mole enchiladas came out. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that's great, but you don't, you don't have to. You know, I, initially, in the moment, I welcomed it. But for, for the future, I was like, you know, you don't have to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do, I do think it matters what culture you're dealing with. You know, it, 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 yeah, but it could be a family deal. Like, it could be a family yeah. culture. There's some families that are like, "Well, you obviously don't like us," you know. Yeah, and so it, it number one by 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 setting the precedent that your Bible studies are only going to be about thirty minutes, you avoid a ton of that. Most people know, okay, I can't whip anything up here. This guy, this this person has to go right when they're done teaching. Yeah, right. I do try to project that to my. Bible studies like, hey, I'm 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 here for a short amount of time. Let's make the and most. I gotta of go, it. yeah. Yeah, and I gotta I gotta keep going. I gotta keep moving, and I do that in a very polite, warm yeah. way. So there, there definitely is a balance. There's a balance. Yeah, but bringing the show to a close and back to the beginning, we do believe that the ideal place for a Bible study is at a halfway point, with minimum minimum between your house and theirs, or if possible, their house. Um, yeah. Episode 13. In we'll the see you on the next one. We'll see you. All right. God bless.